Heidi. The picture up on the screen was taken yesterday. It's a group of clergy from the East Ohio Conference who gathered at Faith United Methodist Church in North Canton. The bishop is in the front row. I'm way down at the other end. You can't see me, really. So the least of these. I would not look at that picture and say that I see the least of these. I wouldn't have, but I do now. I wouldn't have before uh, 2020, March of 2020, when the world shifted a little bit and everything closed. I would not have looked at those people as anything other than my colleagues, most of whom, if I'm completely transparent, I, I feel a little lesser than. I feel a little envious. These are wonderful, wonderful people. People that I strive to be like. People that I call mentors, as well as brothers and sisters in Christ. Many of whom have taught me very, very many things, and I am so grateful. I would not have looked at this picture and saw the least of these, but I do now. In March 2020, the bishop's office emailed all of us and told us we had to close our churches based on the numbers, the case numbers of COVID-19, it was not safe for us to gather in our churches. This is not news for any of you because I immediately began calling you and telling you that we would not have church on Sunday, that there would be an online option. I said that in faith because I had no idea what that was gonna be, but I told you that that would be happening. I told you that we would be delivering things to you during that holy season, that we would be dropping off packages. And then I went home, tried to figure out how to make all that happen. I tried to figure out how to do virtual worship. I tried to uh, fight the resistance that I had to it. You know, you all know, and I've been very clear in saying that I never wanted to have an online presence. I can't stand the sound of my voice. I don't like to listen to myself much less look at myself. And that's exactly what I did for the next weeks, months. Every Sunday morning, I sat in front of my computer and I interacted with you online. And I said, good mornings. And my heart ached because I missed you. And I worried that you were angry with me for shutting the doors. And we entered into a time of great division in our world, a division that we're still trying to heal. There were those who said that the virus wasn't real, that the virus wasn't dangerous. There were those who were afraid to leave their homes. And I was called to pastor all of them. And I did to the best of my ability, but I went to bed most evenings doubting the call that God had placed on my life. Doubting whether I was a good enough pastor Doubting whether I was a good enough mother, knowing that I was not a good enough homeschooler. <laughs> I told you all that I tapped out of Algebra 2 mid-year. Praise God for David's math brain that Dominic graduated. <laughs> so as the months went on, and I thought I was the only one that was overwhelmed by all that was happening, 
And then I started to talk to some of these people who said, I don't know. I don't know how to do this. We can't go to the hospital. We're called to love people in their most trying times and we can't even get to them. What do we do? I had members of my own congregation who came down with COVID and I couldn't go to the family's home to comfort them. And so I prayed over the phone and I prayed for God's spirit to send them the hugs that I couldn't give them. And as I talked to these people, I heard them cry about funerals that they couldn't officiate because that's when we love people the most is in times of crisis. And we felt ineffective. We felt as if we weren't doing our jobs. And then we wondered, do you think we're not doing our jobs? What do you think we're doing as we've been shuttered? And so I heard insecurities of that. My church people don't think I'm working. I'm working twice as hard as before. They're angry with me. It's not my fault. And so I heard depression and despair. And I'm not telling you anything that you didn't face in your own professional careers. We lifted teachers. We lifted the, the members of the health department. We lifted nursing, people in nursing careers, people in any sort of medicine. I understand that each one of us, law enforcement, each one of us faced our own crisis in the pandemic. What I'm saying to you is I saw it in a group of people that I had always looked up to, that I had strived to be like, and I saw their social masks begin to crack and fade away, and I realized that they were just as much a mess as I was, that they went to bed with just as much anxiety as I did. And so I wrote to the bishop. I sent her an email and I said, look, your people, we're struggling out here. We need help. And so I got the cursory, thank you for emailing Bishop Tracy Malone's office. We will be in contact. And then they weren't in contact. <laughs> because she was fighting her own war. And I understand that. Then a couple months passed and she, the, the bishop's assistant called me and she said, Bishop Malone would like to set up a Zoom meeting with you. And I thought, Lord have mercy. <laughs> they finally figured it out. <laughs> I should not do this. Because you know, there are people that I would like to forget who I am and Bishop Malone is near the top of that list. And so I said, okay, that sounds great. And so we had our Zoom meeting, and she said, I, I got your email a couple months ago, and things are starting to settle down a little bit, so I want to put together a team, and I want you to make this happen. I had said, your people are struggling. We need a time that we can come together. And we can look into the eyes, just as law enforcement officers can look into the eyes of another law enforcement officer and say, you get it. You get it in a way I don't even have to talk about it. You get it. And just like a doctor and a nurse just like an administrator can look into the eyes of another person and say, I don't even have to tell you how bad that was. That was bad. And so I said, clergy, we need to be able to look into the eyes of our brothers and sisters and know it was bad, but it's okay and we're okay and God is still in it and we are still called to minister to God's people in whatever way we can figure out how to do it. And so six months went by. She 
uh, put me in charge of a team of people. And so yesterday, we came together for the Bishop's Clergy Day Apart. And this group of people, though they are not hungry, they are not thirsty, they have homes to go home to, they're clothed, thank goodness. They were the least of these yesterday. And they cried over funerals that they didn't get to perform, and they cried over funerals that they did. And their hearts broke over hugs that they couldn't give, and their hearts rejoiced over hugs that we shared. And we heard a word from Reverend Tawanda Prelo from the Baltimore United Methodist from the conference in Baltimore, and she talked to us about a condition that was identified prior to COVID-19, and it's called emotional irritation. It's when you're, just as your body, John, right? Why am I looking at my mom? I don't know, Freudian slip? Emotional irritation, just as your body can get irritated, your emotional spirit can get irritated. And anyone who's ever been through a crisis, any of you who have ever been through a life crisis, loss of a job, loss of a spouse, a divorce, any sort of death, illness, the illness of a child, any sort of overwhelming time in your life, your emotions become inflamed. And rather than rest, like you, you know, if, if John went to the doctor and he said, look, your, your leg's all inflamed, you've got to rest, you've got to hydrate, you've got to take care of yourself, you've got to have good nutrition, you've got to take these medicines, you've got to take care of yourself, otherwise this inflammation's going to get out of control. When we have emotional inflammation, what do we do? What? Shop, self-medicate. She's not kidding. We shop. We self-medicate. We put on our social masks. We say, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm fine when we're not fine. And so today, I am going to challenge you to look at the person next to you in your pew, to look at the person next to you in traffic, to look at the person next to you in the cubicle at work, to look at your peers and your colleagues, those people who are walking around telling you how fine it is and how great it is and how wonderful it is. It's not always. It's not. The least of these, we are so good, and especially this church. This church loves to serve people, the hungry, the thirsty, those who need clothes, those who need things, those who have needs. I am telling you that there are people walking around who have invisible needs. They are the least of these, and they dwell among us. And when emotional irritation goes unchecked, people walk up on stage at the Oscars and slap somebody. It's a symptom. It is a symptom. Have you ever felt it when you're just done? You're just done. And somebody cuts you off in traffic or at the McDonald's drive-thru. I don't know how there's not a fight out there every day. Amen. That double lane drive-thru is a work of Satan. I don't know how people don't get into an argument out there every stinking day. 
And the people that are struggling to hold it together, when you cut them off in traffic, they, it is taking everything that they have not to pull this car over and give you a piece of their mind. Anybody there? Just me? I'm, that's okay. I'm good. Gracie, you feeling me, sister? All right. Emotional irritation. Look at each other. Like, really look. There are people that are walking among us that are struggling, who are fine. I'm fine. Look at them. They are hurting. They are the least of these. And so for the rest of Lent, as you are are thinking about your acts of random kindness that can change the world, look at the person sitting next to you. Look at the one who says, no, it's, it's all good. I'm good. I'm good. And give them God because they need to rest. They need to hydrate. They need to, to feed themselves, to feed their souls. They need to have a moment where they can look into the eyes of someone else who says, you know what, you're not fine. We saw last week the news story of an Ohio State football player who any high school athlete would have traded places with in a heartbeat, and he stepped away from college football because he was thinking of self-harm. And thank you, Jesus, that he said something to his coach. He was struggling while living a life that any, college, any high school athlete would trade in a minute. Playing football, 4.0 grade point average, and I bet there were a lot of days that he said, oh, I'm, I'm good. I'm good, man. I'm good. Not good. The mental health crisis in our country right now has reached a fevered pitch because of the div divisiveness within our country, because of the social unrest, because of the pandemic, because of everything. We can't even, we don't have the time to list all of the things that are pushing us out of fine. Look at one another. Don't let one more person go to bed at night just doubting who they are. Amen? Amen.